Hello, hello, hello. It's me. Z. Coming to you live from my motorhome. This episode is about me. Enough about you. Let's talk about me. It's about me, 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 me. I figured if you're going to actually put time and effort into listening to this podcast, maybe you want to know something about me because the whole everything comes from pretty much my perspective. Um, So there you have it. That's why I did it. Also, um, I as well am a creator, um, a little sister content creator. So I figured, you know, if I got my girl Mel, then maybe I should, you know, get the other person involved. That's me. So if you already know me, then, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe skip this one. I just listened to it. It's long. And it's pretty, it's pretty much just me droning on and going off on tangents and stuff. So I'm not going to lie. I kind of stopped (laughs) listening to it. Um, but I mean, you know, it's cool. You, you like listening to people just kind of go off and shit like that. Honey, give it a listen. But before, before, you know, we get into the, the nitty gritty of me, I want to talk to you about someone else. So, I woke up this morning to text messages from both of my siblings, who are older than me. Um, We went to the same high school, and we are, you know, my sister's one year older than me, my brother's two years older than me, something like that. And they both messaged me like, did you you hear the bad news? And I was like, what's going on? They were like, Charlie died. And... Charlie is a kid that was in my grade, went to school with me, and he passed away. And, you know, it's it's really hard to hear when a child loses their life. Or, I mean, it's really hard to hear when anyone loses their life. But, you know, this this kid was 22, maybe 23 years old. And I didn't know him really well. I don't think we ever had a conversation in high school. But I knew that he was like the most stand-up kid you know always I he anytime I saw him he was like smiling or on the verge of smiling basically just like the picture perfect American kid you know like played sports had good good friends um you know had a cute relationship I don't know how his grades were but I'm assuming they probably weren't that bad Um, you know, he just emulated like a lot of positive energy and it's really hard to hear when someone that like, you know, was, was in your realm passes away and you don't really know them because you feel condolences, but you, you don't really know who to reach out to, to express those condolences. And... It just kind of got me thinking, several people that I've gone to school with have passed away, and, you know, we're very young. We're very young to be losing our lives. 
And I see some people that I have gone to school with or just some people that I know who are my age and I see them putting in so much time and energy for the future and completely neglecting the present. And that... That does more than sadden me. That... Enrages isn't the right word, but it's just... You know, our society teaches us that we have to work hard. You know, like American society is all about hard working, you know, creating that good work ethic. And, you know, you need to get a good job so you can have a 401k so you can retire when you're, you know, crotchety and stuff like that. But, you know, waste away your 20s, 30s and 40s working a job. Of a lot of hours at, you know, potentially a job that you really don't even like, you know, when you could be spending time with your family or doing things that you believe in majority of the time instead of just, you know, getting to do that for a couple hours here and there when most of your time is being taken up behind a desk or behind a computer screen or, you know, behind a welding machine or something like that. So I just see people that are unhappy and they're young, you know, they're, they're young and unhappy trying to, you know, trying to get out of debt from college or trying to save money for the future. And that's just because the system that they've been placed in tells them that that's the right thing to do. It's hard to, to put into words my feelings towards the life that we're led to believe is the right choice and because everyone else is doing it it's just this mob psychology but when tragedy strikes gets me thinking did Charlie live the life that he wanted to did he spend most of his time reveling in his passions and his hobbies and his and his interests. Was he okay? Was he fulfilled in his life? You know, like when you think about what you're doing now, you know, think about the life that you live. You maybe wake up f- five days out of the seven days of the week and go to a job that you don't really like to save money for the future or to put money towards your debt or something and if you were to die tomorrow would you would you be okay with it would you have looked back on your life and view it in a way that you know it was fulfilling I'm trying my best to not seem insensitive to this situation and to not seem like, you know, very, very single-minded in this because I know that, you know, a lot of people feel like they have to go to college and they do have debt and they don't have a choice but to work 
jobs that they don't like to pay off the debt so that maybe one day they won't have it anymore and then can use their money on things that they want to. And I just hate that that's the system that we're in. And I am coming from a position of privilege. I was able to get out of school and pay my debts as soon as I I, I graduated. I am so lucky and fortunate and grateful to say that I don't have any debt. And I don't know what it's like to feel forced into a a high-paying job that I don't want to be in so I could pay off a college debt quicker. But I see my friends, my family, strangers just becoming utterly drained from their jobs. And it reminded me of when I was in high school or when I was maybe more of like when I was in middle school and I would fucking wake up every day, five days a week and be like, do I have to fucking do this? Do I really have to do this? This is one of the most excruciating things I have to do knowing that I have to fucking come here the majority of the week, the majority of the year, the majority of my life at this moment in time and do this shit that I don't want to fucking do. And even though I did learn a lot, like I could have been doing other things. I could have been going to other schools that were better suited for me. You know, if I had had the chance to explore my opportunities in schooling, maybe I could have chosen something that I would have preferred, but I didn't get that opportunity. But now that I, I am an adult, I get to give myself the opportunity to choose a future that I am proud of and that I want to do, that I'm happy and that I feel like I can learn and grow from and love. And if I die tomorrow, listen to me when I tell you, if I die tomorrow, know that I have lived a fulfilling life and it's okay. I am happy with the decisions I've made. I'm not working towards a future. I'm living in the present and I'm loving it. I've made so many friends and so many experiences that have taught me so much about life. And yes, there is more to learn. There's always more to learn. Even if I live to 100, there will still be more to learn, more to experience, more to grow from. But I'm not waiting to to do those things. I'm doing them now and I have been doing them. If I die, I don't want anyone to know or to, to feel that she never got to do the things that she wanted to do. She spent her life working towards a future that she never got to experience, dreams she never got to accomplish, goals she never got to accomplish. I don't want that and and it it can't it physically can't happen because I've I'm already living such a wonderful life and if I die it's okay I can't say that I won't be afraid in the you know facing death because I'm sure when the moment comes I will be so scared but I know that I won't regret this life that I lived So it is my belief that you shouldn't waste today 
building for tomorrow that isn't guaranteed. If you have any time to to think, reflect, maybe share some thoughts to Charlie or anyone else that you know that has passed. And take some time to think about yourself. Before we get to the episode, um, I'm going to play you a song by No Pacetic. This one's titled Come Down. So I hope you enjoy it and I'll catch you guys later. thinking about this all of the podcasts that I've ever listened to I like know the person who's recording the podcast and I was thinking like I didn't even fucking introduce myself in that first one I mean like I did but not not really you know when I talk I relate so so much stuff back to myself or I guess I'm projecting that I will be doing that and also you're listening to me talk 50% of the time so like you'll 
probably like, you know, I'm, I'm saying a lot of shit from my perspective and all the people that I end up interviewing, it's going to be from like my standpoint. So like, you might want to know a little bit about me. And even if you don't, that's what this episode's about. So hello and welcome to me interviewing myself. My name is Mackenzie, but actually very recently I transitioned to Z. I shouldn't say I transitioned to, but I'm allowing this kind of like new, new identity, new part of myself to, uh, blossom, if you will. Um, the name came about because my best gal, G, we went to, we went to school together and she goes by G, but like, she's gone by G for like a forever. And I would always see her in the hallway and I would yell G. And then she would see me in the hallway and she would go, Mackenzie. So then she just shortened it to Z. And I was like, oh, bro, why the fuck have I never thought of that? I have this other friend. Her name is Mo. And I didn't know that it was from Mackenzie. I had no fucking clue. And we were hanging out one time and she was like, yeah, I go by Mo. And I have a friend, Mackenzie, that goes by Ken. And I go by Z. So if you put the three of us together, we make one whole unit. Mackenzie. Mackenzie. Um, yeah, but that's what that is. And, like, where I am now, everybody knows me as Z. I mean, my employer knows me as Mackenzie. He won't call me Z. But he also called me Megan and Ashley. So <laughs> he's still trying to figure it out. It's okay, though. Uh, no harm, no foul. No harm, no foul. But I like Z. I think it's cool. I think it suits me. Um, and usually when people call me, like like when people yell my name, Mackenzie, like I usually only hear the Z part <laughs> anyway. So so that ain't that ain't ain't that ain't no thing but a thing. Um, so that's me, Mackenzie. What's up? What's good? How you doing? Who am I? Um, I am a twenty two year old white girl with dark hair and light eyes um my driver's license says they're blue but I personally think they're gray and then like when I wear they reflect the cool colors that I wear so like if I wear blue they look really blue and if I wear green they look green but generally they look you know light blue grayish um I stand at five foot four inches and for the past couple years, I've been floating around like 127 specifically, but I eat a lot of ice cream. It's my favorite food, ice cream, at this point in time. So I'm, I'm closer to 130 at this day and age. Um, so yeah, that's what I look, <laughs> that's what I look like. <sighs> I'm so strange. I got, a, okay, I got a little stoned before I did this, try to loosen myself up a little bit, but I think that did the effect I think that took my focus completely away but I'm also you know trying to trying to be as authentic as I can be so here it is loud and clear baby this is me this really is me I think you're gonna hear a lot about like the way that I talk the way that I speak especially to other people and I kind of like I do this thing where like I mold to my situation I constantly am saying our humans are like the most adaptive creatures so like that's what I do. I adapt myself to the situation that I am in. So this is, this is me at my, this is me at being alone by myself. This is me adapting to being by myself. Um, so that's cool. I 
have many passions in my life, but I feel like when you're, I don't want to say forced to go to college, but like, I don't know. I didn't really have, I didn't really have much of a choice. Like if I showed interest in, you know, a vocational skill or something, I'm sure that my parents would have been totally cool with me not going to college. But, um, my mom doesn't have a college degree. And even though like she had a very successful business, um, after the recession, she found it really, um, she struggled a lot because of the fact that she didn't have a degree and she never wanted us to go through what she went through in her adult life, um, due to those circumstances. So she kind of made it clear to us that we were my siblings, uh, my two siblings and I, that we were going to be going to college. I mean, from a very young age, we even had, you know, like the Gerber college fund. I don't know if it was a Gerber college fund, but like, you know, our, our family, our family helped save for us to go to college. And that's kind of, you know, what a lot of people that are, are of our, our similar, you know, demographic, I guess you could say kind of did too. So it was just a thing to do. Um, and now college is just kind of like what people do, you know, if, if you don't have like a vocational whatever, or if you don't want to go to college, like basically it's like, if you don't know what you want to do, you just kind of go to college or like most, most high schools that I'm familiar with, like prepare you for college. Like they even have college prep classes and stuff. Um, I even, when I was in high school, I started going to college I think my junior year of high school, I started doing college classes, um, which was fucking awesome that the fact that they offered that, so I didn't really want to be in high school. I got to leave and go, go learn about stuff, um, other than what I was learning about and, you know, just be in a different environment, which is something I definitely needed at the time. Where was I going with this? Da, 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 da. Okay. So a lot of, a lot of people have different interests and I feel like um, when you go to college, my personal opinion is when you go to college, if you are going to college, there are so many different things you can study, like a fucking book a jillion zillion things you could study. And you could even, you know, do one of those, those markers where you put the one color in the one side, the one color in the other side, and then boom, you get the mix of the colors that comes out. You can even do that with your degree. You could plug this in this study into one side, this study into the other side, and boom, you get a mix of the two. That was my analogy, and it was all right. It was passing. Um, however, I feel like a lot of people in this day and age, they just go to college for what they think they should because of what society has deemed the most... effective degree, I guess you could say, you know, it effective in the terms of it'll get you a job. It'll get you a sustainable income. It'll allow you to have a family, you know, full benefits, yada, yada, yada. So what we're looking at right now is like marketing, advertising, um, any sort of, any sort of business degree, whether that be like managerial, manager, managerial, is that, is that a, is that a word? Whatever. You get what I'm saying. Um, 
I feel like a lot of people go to school for those things just because, like, they kind of don't know. Or, like, um, engineering, nursing, you know, things that you know that you can get a job in and that you'll thrive in. And trust me, I know a lot of kids that went to school for nursing that, like, they truly just want to help people. And, like, I love it. I think that's great. But it makes me... It makes me think, like, are you going to nursing school because you physically, like, you know, you like medically, you like helping people medically, and, like, you know what it takes to be a nurse. I mean, there's more than just, like, helping people medically. It's, like, a lot of, it seems like a lot of bitch work, you know, and stuff like that. But, like, if you really want to help people, what is it specifically you want to help them in? Um, would 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 your passions be more effective if you wanted to help people environmentally or if you wanted to help them as a social worker or you wanted to help people get better, you know, nutrition. So you become a nutritional nutrition major. That's actually a thing. I knew one of those people. Um, so this long tangent is kind of to, to go off and just say that, like, I think that when we go to college, we should go to college for what we're interested in, regardless of if it's going to make us money. I have a very radical sense of the world, as you, if you don't already know, you will soon know. So I decided to go to college and study what I was interested in. And, you know, when I went into college, I didn't have an idea. Like I had already, like I said, been taking the college classes, but... I didn't really know. I'm like, okay, this is what is going to represent me basically for the rest of my life. Um, And this is what I'm going to be studying for the next four years. Like, what the fuck am I going to do? And through my, my, um, what were they called? Career exploration courses and what have you. I don't know. They were helpful to a sense. They're really how like my one teacher that I had for career navigation, she was fucking dope. And I really appreciated her because she was real as hell. I can't remember her name. I wish I could remember her name, but she was real as hell. And she was just like, respect the process, bro. Like that's one of the biggest takeaways I had from college was just, you are going through a journey and it's not point A to point B, you know, it, it's, it's not just about getting there it's about going through the journey just like everything else in life it's about the experiences you gain along the way that's what's going to teach you so my biggest takeaway from that class was respect the process however that class did not navigate my career let's just say what made me choose my major in college was I was looking back on my life and I was like all right what's the one constant that I've had in my life what's the one thing that's just like been on my radar and it was just it was just my love of cultures and my love of meeting new people and I was really fortunate growing up my mom my mom is accepting of I want to say everyone and she's accepting of everyone but there's some things that she doesn't like like she probably wouldn't be thrilled to hear that I just said that I'm stumped she doesn't like that people smoke weed sometimes. I probably doesn't care that other people do it, but she probably doesn't want me to do it or talk about it. <laughs> but I did. Sorry. I love you, mom. Um, what was I getting at? 
but my mom, okay, my mom is accepting of like all people and she, she's a social butterfly. Anytime we were on a plane or anytime we were like in public, like the person next to her was her new best friend and she would, she would just make them laugh. And I could, she had a very, she has a very distinctive laugh and it's just so rich and full of, um, life and emotion and stuff. So like hearing that come out of her from someone she just met 20 minutes ago or, you know, getting to see that connection. That was something that always, I loved this. I mean, when I was younger, I was kind of embarrassed. I was like, mom, like they don't want to fucking talk to you and stuff. But like little did I know they probably did. They probably, you know, and, and being an adult now and realizing that like people do just kind of come up to you and start talking and why not? Why not? I mean, why not share your thoughts and feelings with the people around you? Um, if they seem like they want to, if they're open to it and they want to indulge in it with you, you can have a wonderful connection. And that's literally what this whole podcast is fucking about. So thanks mom. Uh, not only did you help me with that, but she also like my, my family took me around a bunch of places. Um, I have, I have several different families and I got to see so many different parts of the world because because of them and their uh, ability to to take me around and and show me and I was always so fascinated by it and that was those were the constant things is my continuous fascination with the unknown to me what was unknown to me my continuous fascination with that different cultures my my continuous fascination with wow like you do this differently than I do and I've never even considered doing that the way that you live your life, the way that you communicate with your fellow members, the way that you conduct yourself, the way that you do your laundry, just all, all of the nuances of what it is to be a human in this day and age. And you do it so differently. Or maybe you do some things the same, but so diff- other things differently. And you think, you process things differently based on so many different things in your life. I mean, all of these nuances. My brain is going in circles and it's going to explode. I'm just, I'm just getting off on a think funk here. And that, that was why I chose my major is because it was just so completely encompassing of all of these thoughts and ideas. And I went to Kent State University. They weren't necessarily huge on linguistic anthropology linguistic anthropology why can't I say this and cultural anthropology they were more on like the bachelor of science side archaeology medical anthropology stuff like that forensics um so they all you know all these courses make up the grand field of anthropology but what what gets me what really fascinates me is just like bro you do what you do and you do it differently than I do it. I already, I already talked myself into a circle about that. But boom, bang. That's why I chose my major. Going back, um, I, going back to, going back to high school when I was doing my college classes, while I was also in high school, I ended up getting a job at a glassblowing studio that opened in the town that was right next to mine. And I had never... I never even knew about glassblowing. I felt, I always felt like a wannabe art student. You know, like the courses that they offered at school and in high school. um, I did, I did them. I didn't 
go very far in the art classes, but that's just because, like, I didn't really like the mediums that I was fucking with. I'm not much of a 2D artist, and they did have 3D art. You know, they had ceramics, but you had to know the teacher, like, what teacher you wanted. There was three art teachers, I believe, and depending on, like, how your schedule worked, if you wanted to do art, you got put with one of these teachers and I got placed with two of them and they both primarily taught 2D art, which is an awesome skill to have. I'm really grateful to have taken those classes, but I didn't want to keep going. So my mom was on Facebook and she saw that this guy that she knew from the city she used to live in was opening up a glassblowing studio in the city that she lives in now or in the town that she lives in now. So she was like, hey, do you want to go work for this glassblowing studio? I know this guy who's opening it up. And I was like, Chet, you betcha. So I boarded down to the construction site where they were building the glassblowing studio that was attached to the restaurant that was owned by the restaurant group. I'm not going to get into it. I have words, but their choice, so I'm not going to get into it. But, you know, I rolled up on the longboard because I'm an avid longboarder. And this guy was like, whoa, (laughs) who are you? And I was, I think I was 17 at the time. And it was him and this girl, the owner and the manager, basically, opening a studio. And I just applied as, like, the receptionist. And I got the job immediately. And then the whole shebang opened up the restaurant and Glasswing Studio opened up. And I was... I was working there and I I needed to be able to kind of like relay to the customers what was going on. And, you know, there's, there's glass blowers right here. Like it was a glass blowing gallery and studio. So I had to be able to relay what was going on. And I just started watching so intently what they were doing and researching on the computer. Like if I wasn't staring at them, I was over at the desk, staring at the computer, learning about the difference between, you know, hot glass techniques and cold glass techniques. And I had a, a little notebook. Oh man, can you hear these dogs going off? My neighbors, they like breed dogs and they're just fucking going off. I'm going to close the window, but you'll still be able to hear them because my front door's open. So they're going off though. Anyway, I got so embedded into it. I fucking loved it. And I got, I, when I got to a point where, like, people would ask me certain things and I'd be able to explain to them the nuances of what was happening, even though I had never worked with the material because I was just the gallery attendant and receptionist. Um, yeah. I never got to work with the material, but I knew so much about it. I think I, I learned about the material a year and a half, maybe two years before I had even touched it. The first time I ever actually blew glass, I went to this kid that I went to school with. His dad had a glass blowing studio down the road, but it was like his personal glass blowing studio. So the first time I ever blew glass, I went and hung out with this kid and we went to his dad's glass blowing studio and that was fucking cool as hell. But I think the year after I got the job or maybe two years after I got the job, I was graduating high school and going to college and everyone's like so are you gonna major in glass are you gonna major in glass and I was like no I'm not gonna major in glass simply because I don't need a degree to get a job blowing glass and like at that time 
I had already, I had started taking lessons at the studio, you know, once a week I would, I would go in and I think for an hour or two I would work with, they're called gaffers. I would, the, um, you know, the glass artists and stuff. I would work with the gaffers and, um, they would teach me, you know, the nuances. They were like intro courses, basically what I learned (laughs) at college, but before I had gotten to college and are you going to major in glass? Are you going to major in glass? Like, no. I'm not going to major in glass. I just said this because I don't need a degree. I don't need that piece of paper. All I need is the skill. You know, I feel like at that time I had felt like a degree was, you know, something that you put on a resume. Not saying that you can't put a fucking glass playing degree on your resume, but just saying like, you know, I want to major in something. If I have to go to school, I want to major in something that is versatile and doesn't limit me. And I had thought that, like, anthropology, it's the study of humans. So basically anything that involves humans, which is, like, most fucking things, uh, anything that involves humans, like, I would I would look like I, I had practice in it. I had the ability to you know, work with my surroundings no matter what they were. So I was like, nah, I didn't even consider minoring in it too. I was just like, I'm just going to, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to go do it. I go to college. My first semester I'm in glass blowing. This is actually really cool because the, at the time, the manager of the glass blowing studio that I worked at, he had just taken the position as adjunct professor at the university I, I was going to. So he and I were going to this school at the same time, like starting at the school at the same time. He is a professor, me as a student, and I was taking intro to glass blowing and he was teaching intro to glass blowing. So that was such an amazing experience. And he was, I mean, I've always viewed this man as a big brother to me. And I think I always will. We haven't talked in so long, but I still have a, you know, special place in my heart for him because when we were working at the studio together, he always made me feel very, welcome, accepted, and important. That was one thing is, you know, sometimes I would feel a little like put down or, you know, a little less than because I didn't share the same abilities or understandings that the other artists did, but he always treated me as an equal and I always appreciated him so much. He's fucking hilarious. He's so funny. He's like that dry humor kind of guy. Oh, he's so funny. But that was really important to me and that made a huge impact in my life. And I had already gone into my intro classes, my intro to glass classes with some knowledge. I mean, I knew a lot about the, I don't even know what to call it. Like the, like I read about glass a lot, but I didn't, I wasn't confident, as confident in in touching it as I did about talking about it. I guess you could say I talked about it, read about it more than I had touched it. So my head knew, but my hands didn't. But whatever. I fucking went to school for glass as well as anthropology is basically what I'm getting at. But I majored in anthropology, minored in glass, but spent 85% of my college career in my glass blowing studio. And the rest was about anthropology. Like I found the funny thing was that I found more of a community, more of a human experience, more of a fulfilling soul, soul invigorating, 
light me on fire, baby burn. No, that's no, 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 no. That's wrong. That's, I shouldn't say that. We're talking about glass. It's not literally about baby burn. It's literally like, oh my God, this is going terribly. It's about the friendships that I made, the experiences that I had were so much more embedded in my anthropological interests than any experience I had learning about anthropology. And I don't know if it was, it was because I was putting more of myself into the glass studio or if it was because literally like the anthropology department was way more like science related and stuff. So there were less, you know, it was less about the arts and more about the science. But then also bringing that, the the idea of art into it is like when you're in a studio, you're in a sharing space. It's a community space and ours, ours specifically in glass, we all share the same tools. We all share the same equipment. We all share the same studio space. Like our individual studio spaces were also like in the same room and stuff. And being in glass, we all shared the same concepts and ideas, you know, like glass artists and painters are, there are completely different breeds of human beings. And I know there are people that, you know, painters and glass artists, I know that people, you know, their, 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 um, interests are not singular and you can like glass and you can like painting, but like you could tell the difference in the two studios, like the glass studio is one giant family and the painting studio was just like barren. Like you couldn't even, I couldn't find it for the longest time. And this is, you know, this is all singular, singular to me. And these are my opinions and my beliefs. So I, you know, sorry if this is making you butt hurt if you're a painting major. My bad. I don't mean to. I'm just saying in my experience, you go to the glass studio, there's music bumping. There's people screaming pre-COVID, of course, screaming good. Also there's, there's dancing happening. Like there's, there's a bunch of people together and you have to work with someone. You can't blow glass by yourself. I mean, definitely people do it, but like you can't, you can't be in a glass studio and be a singular person. I mean, you definitely can, but it's like kind of like the, the, um, it's not really the Man, I'm saying this, this is all from my perspective and everything I'm about to say, it just sounds like I'm putting this thing into a box that it doesn't fit in, but it's all from my perspective. So from my perspective, you can't blow glass by yourself. You depend on all these other people. And, you know, we, we're a glass studio, so it's not just blowing glass. There's flame working. You don't, you know, you can flame work by yourself. You can do kiln work by yourself. Um, when you're in the cold shop, obviously you need to have someone there with you just as like a, you know, a safety thing, but like they're not, you know, working the glass with you. So you like, you can cold work by yourself and stuff. So I guess, I guess this is very, my experience is very limiting, but like, um, glass blowing in general is a very communal thing. And that's what I need. And I've always search for community. I still am searching for community, um, and being a part of them. So I just always felt way more at home. I mean, it was home. I ate there. I worked there. I sometimes would nap there. I wouldn't say I sleep there. (laughs) Some of my friends did, but like so much of my life was spent at the studio. 
yeah, I was president of the glass club. And when I wasn't president of the glass club, I was still a part of glass club. And I went on all the glass club trips and, you know, I try to run around and get people to join glass club and to, to join glass in general. And just so enamored by glass and less so by my major in anthropology. Man, what am I fucking even going off about here? I guess I'm just talking about myself. But basically, I have a major in anthropology and a minor in glass. Going through going through college, I learned that the point of getting a degree in glass, it's not about having the paper. It's about going through all of those steps. It's about respecting the process of going through the program because it's not about the piece of paper at the end. It's about everything you learn. And even though I minored in it, I didn't get uh, a BFA with a concentration in glass. Therefore, I didn't get to have a show at the end. I did try to work on my own show and just do my own thing. COVID cut that short, but even so it would have it's, it would have been a completely different experience than what the other students go through. I didn't take all those other classes. I didn't take a single art history class and I'm kicking myself now for not having done that because I feel like it it would just completely change my life or would have. And I know that I could do this, but like when you're on your own time it's way different than when you're in the university setting. Um I didn't get to take all of the other classes, the other studios. I never did printmaking. I never did painting. I never did drawing. I never did digital media. I basically, I only did jewelry medals. Oh my God, did I not do any other? No, I did sculpture. Whew, baby girl. I love sculpture. Sculpture's tight. Um, jewelry medals is fun. We worked really small, which was kind of like irksome to me, but also that was, that class got cut due to COVID too. So I didn't get to finish it, but I fucking love sculpture and I like working with metal. I think it was really fun. So yeah, just my experience was, was different. And I know that I, I would, would be a way more, uh, just, I'd be such a different person if I had majored in it. And I had learned different things. And and I don't know who that person would have been. But also through what I learned in my anthropology um, field, you know, course of study, I feel completely fulfilled in that aspect. I learned so much that I never could have learned uh, without without majoring in it. I now kind of base my life off of those two fields, anthropology and glass. And I abstracted both of them, very much so. My anthropology goes into even even this podcast. It's just all about like learning about new people and new places in the world and new experiences. And that's what my whole life is about. I moved to Hawaii last month because I just needed to fucking get out. So... Every, everything I do, it's with that sort of like anthropological outlook on it. And the careers that I was told that I could get in anthropology, it's like field work or um, 
you know, they're, they're very academically based. Like everything that you do, you do it with the intention of putting it back into academia or writing a book outside of the academic world. But still, I mean, a book is like basically academia, if you ask me. I mean, you could do it on your own terms, but it's still, it's still, it's still more about sharing your knowledge. And for me, anthropology is about like, really selfishly, it's about opening up my eyes and opening up my world and learning more about the world around me and having that affect my life and becoming a more well-rounded person. And also just like, just feeding a fire that's inside me. I want to do these things. I want to learn more about them. I want to do all this shit and I'm going to do it. So I took a class. It was qualitative methods of ethnography, which an ethnography is basically just like the work that you created, the physical body of work that you created as an anthropologist going and doing field research. So like if I'm going to go to stay with the Malagasy people of Madagascar, I'm going to either write a book about it or do a documentary about it or, you know, that and then share that with the world. That's my ethnography. So I decided that I didn't fucking want to deal with academia. I'm not really about institutions anymore. Uh, at this moment of my life, I've, I'm, I'm not about it. I'm not really good with authority. I'm an Aquarius, so that's kind of a given. Um, so I was just like, I'm just going to live my life and I'm going to do what I do. And I started listening to podcasts when I was in college and I've always really liked them. And I've always wanted to start one. Um, my favorite, my favorite podcast is called Tangentially Speaking with Dr. Christopher Ryan, also an Aquarius. So just saying, it's kind of like a thing. It's kind of like a thing. Uh, but he, he's an author. But I remember, I think he was doing an interview with Neil Strauss, the author of The Game. I'm pretty sure it was doing this interview. So they're both off. And one of them, one of them says it, but they both agree on it. It's like, don't write a book unless you have to. So I'm like, I, I, there ain't no reason for me to write a book. I ain't gotta know. I don't gotta know. Fuck. I ain't gotta write no damn book. So I'm not gonna, but. I do kind of want to do a podcast because I feel like the people that I meet in my life are just so amazing. And, and because these people are the fuel to my fire, I find them so amazing. I mean, some people may not, but others may. It all depends on the person, both the person I'm interviewing and the person that's listening. And my kind of, you know, uh, place in that little triangle too so through through that podcast, Tangentially Speaking, and through my realization that I didn't want to be an academic anthropologist, I realized that, wait a minute, I could actually like apply this interest, this degree that I have with this other interest, um, podcasting. And also, I've always loved entertaining. Um, I like... You know, I like to be the funny, the funny person at the party, the comedic relief, or, you know, like when we're out, I like, you know, I like dancing. I just, you know, I like entertaining and I like being entertained and stuff. So 
I figured this was kind of like a perfect mix of me wanting to meet people and travel the world and just experience life on all different spectrums as a, as a human, but also as just, I guess, kind of like an animal, um, on also feed that kind of passion to entertain. Um, some of my biggest inspirations, of course, are Chris Ryan. And I just want to let you guys know that like, I'm probably going to be talking about this podcast a lot and referring to it a lot tangentially speaking. So just go like, look, just go look it up now and peruse it. And if you like it, that's pretty much kind of what inspired me to do this. So I'm kind of like low key basing this off of, um, that, but yeah, I don't know where I was going with that one. Hmm. But I guess I do know where I was going with that one. My inspirations, um, that podcast, Christopher Ryan, are very inspirational to me as an anthropologist. But also, uh, like Anthony Bourdain is a really huge inspiration to me too. May he rest in peace. All of these, you know, travel-oriented people that are also kind of you know, they're they're doing it for entertainment, but they're also doing it for educational purposes to get the word out to other people that these things exist in the world, and you don't have to live the life that you're living now. Because there are all these different ways to live life. And even if you do want to stay in your life, your comfortable life, just know that, like, there are other people out in the world that their lives are like this. So, you know, understand that your life isn't the only life. Be empathetic to others. And also, I hope you one day want to come and and visit this for yourself and see what it actually is like. Or just to get a message out there. Whatever the reason, um, those kinds of people journalists, entertainers, anthropologists, you know, they've always fascinated me and their work has always been really inspirational to me. So that's, that's kind of who I hope to, to be. Um, I want to get the word out. I want to experience things and grow myself. And I also want to kind of just entertain, you know, (laughs) I, I hope that I hope that going forward these things are entertaining and educational and you know just get you thinking, get you feeling. Also, you know, maybe inspires you. I've been told that um, some of the things that I do in my life have inspired people and that makes me feel wonderful. Positivity is a huge thing in my life. It's one of my driving forces. So to be able to inspire people, that's a very positive thing for them and for me. So to have that kind of like a cycle of energy around those interactions, that means the world to me. Um, oh man, positivity is such a huge driving force in my life. I used to be this little upsetty spaghetti burrito of sadness. Not a spaghetti burrito. Well, maybe it was a spaghetti burrito. I used to be the meanest kid ever. I was such a fucking jerk face. I was mean. I was sad. I was pissed off. But then I found a super amazing group of friends that were genuine and that loved me and I'd never really had before. And with them, I also learned about weed, which was awesome. And that opened me up to a whole new world of understanding and love and letting go and building friendships. I mean, think about how many friends that you have due to this substance. I've thought about this all the time. Like, weed is, weed is like a guitar. You know how, like, when someone 
pulls out a guitar, it, like, brings people together and stuff. That's, like, what weed is like. You pull out the weed and, like, everybody wants to be your damn friend. Um, that may all, that may not be a good thing, but it was great for me. It's, I mean, it still is pretty good for me. I can't lie. So, um, drugs is okay, okay? But how, I mean, you know, how does this all, how does this all tie into little sister? Well, I'm going to fucking tell you. So as you learned in the last episode with my nopacetic baby girl, what we're doing here is we're creating a community that is diverse and inclusive and is just all about celebrating everything that we think about that we normally would think like by ourselves, but now we have the ability to do it with a whole crowd of people. And if that just doesn't scream me, I don't fucking know what does. And when Mel put out her zine, I was just so, like, her art is so attractive to me. Her art is, is wonderful. And her, just, her music, her graphic designs, the way that she thinks, the way that she speaks, I've always just been so attracted to it. I think she is just a wonderful, everything about her as an artist, as a being, you know, artist as a being is just so wonderful. And when I learned that she wanted to turn her zine into a real magazine, I was like, bro, the fuck am I on board or aren't I? And I know that like, she, you know, she's got a full-time job and she's got a lot on her plate and she's going to need someone to help her with articles and interviews and organizing structures, reaching out to people. I can fucking do that. I ain't got nothing on my plate. Like, I mean, I got a couple things on my plate, but there's a big portion of it that's open and I want to fill it with little sister. So I hopped on board and we talked about it one day and I was telling her like, yeah, I really want to start a podcast and I've been thinking about it for a really long time, but I'm not good with technology. I don't think I ever will be. My energy waves just don't mix with it. I'm also not manifesting good technological, um, what's the word? Just like, you know technological knowledge and stuff I'm not manifesting that into my life in fact I'm doing the opposite I'm kind of like uh defesting I don't know what the word is <laughs> demanif unmanifesting it I'm not manifesting it in my life um so that that always like stopped me from wanting to start it because I was like, I want to do it because I'm always meeting these cool people and having these great conversations. And that's what I want my podcast to be about. But because of my inability or my, my lack of knowledge of technical know-how, it just kind of stopped me. So when talking to her about it, I was saying, I really want to start a podcast. She's like, why not just have, you know, a branch of the magazine, you know, make it Little Sister Podcast. And I was like, yeah. You know, I can do that. Um, but the tech, you know, the tech stuff. And then I spent so much time researching it because be, because of my lack of knowledge of the tech stuff, you know, I don't have an Apple computer or a Windows computer or anything like that. I have a, a Google Chromebook, which if you know anything about them, they're very limiting in terms of what you can do. It's like you get the Internet and that's it. Um, I recently switched to iPhone, so I have the ability to do stuff with iPhone. So I'm just, you know, researching, like, how can I make a quality podcast with a Chromebook and with an iPhone? And after months and months of researching, I was just like, you know, fuck this. 
I could spend all this money on this equipment or I could just start it and try it and just go for it, go for gold. So I decided to do that. I'm going to go for gold. I'm just going to start. And through this process, I'm going to learn more and I'm going to get better. The quality is going to get better. Maybe I'll decide to start editing shit. I might do it, but I also might not. (laughs) Pretty lazy when it comes to that. Uh, So Little Sister, not only did it start as a place that I could totally see myself being a community member in, I could totally see myself working for it, make you know, writing articles, interviewing, reaching out to people, and then having that branch off to be the podcast. I mean, all of the concepts and ideas that we share, that we have in the magazine are shared in this podcast. It's fueled by the diversity and inclusion of all of the guests that I have. Um, or, or I should say will have, wink, wink, could be you. And it's just, you know, people that I meet in my life, I think are so fascinating. You know, all out of the podcasts I listen to, the ones that are interview based, at least are they, they you know, they interview people that have these accolades that are like, you know, they're, they're award-winning producers or they're award-winning authors or they're actors and actresses or they're scientists you know they've dedicated their lives to these specific fields and they're experts in them you know it's, it's a lot of it's a lot of experts and a lot of people at the top of their game it's not a lot of like people who are in my peer group which are like we're working towards something but we're still amazing you know we still have all these amazing things we just you know I don't have a fucking award or I haven't you know I'm not a a published author but like I still do really cool shit and I still think it's you know cool to talk about it and make it you know put it into a community and you know maybe find some several people in this community that also think it's cool so I don't think that this podcast is gonna be centered around people that have accolades. I think it's gonna, a lot of my guests are just gonna be that people that I find fascinating. And something that I learned in art school was that everybody has different tastes. And if I think something is really beautiful, someone else might not think that anything about it. I mean, you could say that in all things, but that's that's what I learned in art school. So not only am I going to find people that I think are really fascinating, but I'm also just going to find people that just are. Because maybe maybe I don't find them extremely fascinating, but maybe they're right up your alley. You know, maybe you love this kind of shit that this person's talking about and you want to get in contact with them and you maybe... If you get in contact with them and they like what you like and, you know, you guys are vibing with each other, then maybe you'll start your own thing and go off and do some shit that is beautiful and gives you purpose and, you know, fills your passion, feeds your fire. So I'd like to keep, you know, I'd like to keep it kind of like a local sort of thing and give people the ability to put out their hopes and dreams and wishes and projects and have a place where others can connect with all of those things. So I'm, I'm really excited for it. And 
I don't know. I, I can't wait. Um, I can't wait for this to take off. I mean, it already is. I don't have to wait because it's already happening, but oh, it's just so exciting. Um, I want to talk about like my dreams and my goals. I'm living, I'm living my dream. My dream is my dream. I have so, I mean, I have so many, uh, my dreams and goals are to always, always be positive. And I just want to fucking go around the world and learn how people live their lives and learn about different circumstances that people are put into and learn about different viewpoints and conundrums and negative things and positive things and new things to me and share those my beliefs and my thoughts with other people too should they should they want to um have them shared with them so yeah it's it's kind of like just experiencing new things and with moving to Hawaii I'm experiencing a lot of new things um I I'll just, I'll, I'm going to come back to this like dreams and goals things because I haven't finished yet, but I want to explain what I'm doing now. So I was, I graduated this past year. I like barely skated by because they closed school. Oh, excuse me. I've been up for a really long time and I did a lot of work today. Um, I barely skated by school. They closed in March. If I was able to finish and get my degree and stuff and um, I was just sitting in Ohio while all of the things that I had signed up for and had planned were just being canceled and it fucking sucked dude it sucked so bad and I felt like I was just in this like waiting period where you know I I graduated and that was awesome but then you know my job that I had lined up I was going to go be a glassblowing instructor at a, a camp, summer camp, which is like two of two of some of my favorite things put together in one, which is awesome. Um, that got canceled, and that was a fucking bummer. And then I had this scholarship class at Pilchuck, and that got canceled, which was a fucking bummer. And, you know, then I was like, well, I guess I'll finish out my lease because I had planned to leave my lease like a, a month early because of all this stuff. But, you know, I might as well just stay because it's canceled and then I was waiting for my lease to be over and then I was just like what the fuck am I doing just waiting around like you know I wanted to go to Mexico um but I could the border was closed and I, so I couldn't so I was just like okay we need to talk about this you know Mackenzie let's let's talk about this what do we want to do in life what do we want to do right now one I want to build my career I want to learn more about glass I want to be involved in glass or anything that glass touches you know whether that be woodworking or metalworking or building um you know more hands-on stuff sculpture you know less less like uh what's that called um whatever more hands-on shit if I can't do that I want to or not if I can't do that but in addition to that um, you know, anthropological stuff. I want to go somewhere and be a part of something, uh, new and experience new things. 
and learn from them and grow from them and maybe share some of my own experiences, stuff like that. So what can I, what can I do? And at this point in my life, I, at this point in my life, here's something about me too. I have been, I have been identified as crunchy, which if you don't know, is basically someone who is environmentally conscious. And I am just that. I despise plastic and I'm, I'm a, I'm a hippie. You can call me a hippie. I've decided that that is what I am. I don't like food that creates pollution. I don't like genetically modified things. I think that evolution is the driving factor of the world. And I feel like we should all abide. Not we should all. I feel as though I... I want to abide. You, we... You can do whatever the fuck you want to. You live your life. But I want to abide by evolutionary, um, you know, concepts, ideas, um, shit like that. So I, you know, I shop at farmer's markets because I like to support local or at least so in Kent when I was, I was living in Kent, um, I couldn't have like a huge garden. I mean, I did try, but it snows there and stuff. And I'm not, you know, I don't know that much about gardening and stuff. So, um, if I were to get food, I wanted to get it from farmers markets, from local people, from, uh, you know, people that did it better, better than I did. And then you eliminate all the packaging too. Like, as opposed to, like, you go to, like, around us, it was Walmart. You'd drive to Walmart, and you would get your produce there. Well, those are all genetically modified organisms. And, I mean, maybe maybe some of the fruit and veggies that I got were GMOs, too. But they were local, and they were from family farms. So I felt a little bit better about it. I don't know whether where they got their seeds from, but... A lot of them were fucking hippies too, you know, (laughs) so I feel like we're all on the same wavelength, but anyway, they're all, you know, they're all GMOs, they're all shipped across the country and ripened in an oven or, you know, whatever the case may be, and they all come in packaging and, you know, sit on shelves that other people touch and you know, you're supporting Walmart then too, which then you're supporting the Alec Corporation, which we're not even fucking going to go into, but so I am, I'm crunchy. I'm a hippie. So I was like, I want to go somewhere where I can grow my own food or, or at least live in an area, a climate where I can grow my own food and the stuff that I can't grow or whatever I can get locally you know, like, I don't have chickens here, but there's a farm down the road that has chickens and they sell eggs. So I can just bring my carton back and they can refill the chicken eggs and it's perfect. I also, I've been hinting at this a lot. I'm an avid longboarder. Um, I am a longboard dancer and freestyle. So I do a few tricks and um, I dance 
on my board. So it's a very beautiful art form, I think. It's it's how I use my body the most beautifully. And it's, it's how I'm the most in tune with my body. Um, other than on the dance floor, but even, even, even then, I feel like I'm more in tune with my body when I'm on my longboard. Um, so with that in mind, like board sports have always been super attractive to me, especially surfing. I've never gotten the, um, the, the opportunity to do that. So I was like, that was a big reason why I wanted to move to Mexico. I wanted to go to Puerto Escondido, which is huge surfing town and, I wanted to go with someone who, like, you know, knew Spanish and was kind of also in, like, a similar situation. They're like, well, I ain't really got shit to do because all my shit got canceled. And um, it'd be better if we split rent. So, but we couldn't, I mean, the borders were closed and it kind of just wasn't really realistic. So I was like, I'm doing this alone and I needed to go somewhere in the U.S. And it needs to be somewhere where I can learn how to surf and I can grow my own food all year round, and a lot of people, well, I mean, obviously, what we're looking at is Hawaii, either that or, like, California, but um, a lot of people in Hawaii kind of, like, share, I've, I've been aware of, um, they share my thoughts on the, on life not everybody of course that's like saying everybody in texas is the same um but there's you know like the overall um zeitgeist here in hawaii you know it's it's every everyone is basically like living aloha the aina the land is is powerful and it it is our lifeline and we respect it and it res- it will respect us back. Should we respect it? And it, you know, it nurtures us if we nurture it. And our neighbors are extremely important. You know, it's it's very like community um, inclined here. So yeah, it had to happen. I had to go. I saw the opportunity and I seized it. So it's uh, two hundred thirty three bucks for a one way ticket here during COVID season. So I was like, damn, um, I actually, I got a gig. I'm really big into like work exchange stuff. So, um, I wanted to find a work exchange that would help my career in glass and anthropology. I kind of wanted to do like, kind of like a two in one thing. So I wanted to learn about, um, well, my career in building anthropology and about like eating healthy and living, um, sustainably and stuff so I went on two websites workaway.info and helpx.net those are both two uh work exchange websites that you can subscribe to and I just tried for you know looking I mainly found a lot of like farms and hostels you know so I found a gig on helpx this couple is building a sustainable home out of cargo containers on the island of Oahu and they've got um, plant. They've owned the property for five years, so they have plants and trees that have been growing for five years and are producing fruits. So right now, it's just like the ones that are producing fruits. There are a couple of banana trees, papaya trees, the lilikoi, the passion fruit is growing. Some fruits, the dragon fruits are fruiting. We have gra- guava that's fruiting. The limes are 
we, I just recently planted eggplant. I can see that's coming in. Tomatoes are growing crazy, or the tomato plants are growing crazy. But anyway, it kind of like, it kind of fuses those two, like learning the building practices and learning the, um, learning more about agriculture and stuff. Um, I, you know, in a perfect world, I would like to be doing more and learning more about these two things. Um, I'm kind of just getting like the surface of both of them, but I'm in a really good spot because I live in a motor home, a 26 foot motor home, a 1962 Broham by myself. Uh, it's, it's got, you know, it's, it's got its pros and cons. Um, you'll find out I'm very contradictory from time to time. I love community and I wish I was a part of a community, but I do like having my own living space, which I feel like all people, or not all people, but a lot of people do. So it's really nice. I have my own living space. Um, but I kind of, um, I'm still trying to find community. Um, I live on this property by myself, but this property is in the middle of like a suburb. I live, I live in Waianae on the Waianae coast. It's very local. There's a lot of the local population that lives here. Um, and it's, it's very much so more low income and, um, segregated and de facto segregated, uh, this area of Hawaii is comparable to like, as far as demographics go and, um, like redlining and, you know, systematic racism it's very much so like you know Compton in California so Compton is why and I where you will find the minorities well I mean I guess here you wouldn't say minorities here you would just say local Hawaiians um who are dealing there's a huge houseless population here it's fucking giant there's really bad meth um what's it called there's just like a lot of meth abuse out here and a lot of drug abuse out here low income housing bad education a lot of the students here don't go to school and it's because their parents like they didn't go to school so they don't force their kids to go to school um because of that they can't get good jobs just in general they can't get good jobs a lot of them are on ebt which is uh you know government uh they're getting, you know, food stamps and stuff like that. There's a lot of food drives that happen. And, you know, it's just a lot of a lot of bullshit strife people go through simply because they were put here by the American government. And then there's Honolulu, which is... <laughs> I, should, I shouldn't say Honolulu. I should say every fucking where else on this island. <laughs> except for the Waianae Coast, which is, you know, like Eva Beach and... Makaha, like everywhere on this um, western side is where like the local population was pushed and then everywhere else has been gobbled up by the white man and tourists. Like I went to North Shore. I, I've been there one time because i only been here a month and I don't have a car yet. But I went to North Shore one time with some friends and the demographic was completely fucking different. It's all white people. It's all fucking white people. It's ridiculous. And the whole, I mean, the whole vibe is different. Like here there, you know, it's, it's a, it's a poor community. It's low income there. It is a richer community. It's high income. Um, here there are a lot of 
brown people and you know people of Asian descent and I don't I mean I don't even know if minority is the right word because we're on a fucking island and there are they're basically the majority of people here like from some sort of Asian descent or some Micronesian Polynesian Japanese um, I guess that would be considered Asian descent Hawaiian you know they're all pushed over here on the west coast whereas you know north shore east coast you'll see a lot of fucking white people and tourism and you know it's another island so a lot of their income is a lot of their income is tourism which is really hard right now due to covid but um what the fuck was i what am i getting at what am i saying I don't know what I'm saying, but I'm saying it's cool to live here. I like I like living on this side. I like seeing the way that these people live and interact and stuff. And it gives you a way different perspective. Um, like when I was talking on the last episode, I was talking to Mel about that guy at the stop or at the bus stop who was like, you know, uh, it was a, he was a houseless guy and he looked like he was fucked up on something and he complimented me and, you know, like... If I had lived in North Shore and was just completely surrounded by, like, all these, you know, cool surfer white people, not you know, not saying that they're bad or anything, people do things for certain reasons and they don't, you know, and they all, everyone's got good intentions, blah, blah, blah. I'm not, I'm not getting into this. I could go on forever about it, but I'm not going to get into it. But I'm just saying, like, if I was exposed to that the majority of the time, you know, just there wasn't, you know, there's not a huge houseless population. There's not a huge drug, um, addict, addiction population, whatever there. And then I came and visited here and I saw this guy that was all strung out on the bus stop and he quote unquote sexually harassed me by just, you know, just call me sweet thing. You know, I, I might've been offended or I might've, you know, been a little fearful. I might've not have taken it as a positive. I might not have, I don't know, but I definitely took it, I took the situation positively because I thought it was, I thought it was cool, I mean, I thought thought he was being sweet, and, you know, through being here, I've only been here a month, but through being here, it's just kind of like a window into another world that I never would have understood if not for being here, and that's where it fills my anthropological passion and drive, so... I feel like no matter what I do, no matter what I seek out, I'm seeking out because of my passions and I am like subconsciously filling all of those. I would like to be more involved in glass. I am feeling really uh, deprived of glass, but I think that, you know, once I learn more about um, mechanical things that'll hopefully help, but I am going to try to, once I get a car, which should be soon, I am going to try to look into some glass studios here, maybe try to get my, try to get my, my fingers back in it. Okay. We're going to, I'm going to try to wrap this up soon. (laughs) I've been talking for forever. Y'all probably don't want to listen to this for a full hour and a half, but I want to kind of end on positivity and love. Those are huge factors in my life. Those are very important to me. I would not be who I am today if it weren't for the strength 
and forces that positivity and love have had on my life. I mean, they compel me to do all of these, all of these crazy things and see the good in everything and let go of the bad things that don't serve me. I recently received a letter from my friend and it was full of just a bunch of really cute stuff. And I I had posted a video about it on my Instagram and it was just like, you can see the love and positivity just emanating from me. It's like seeping out of me. It, it just, with, without those two things, positivity and love, I don't know how I could survive. It would be, life would be so miserable. When I was a little burrito of sadness, positivity and love were nowhere in my realm. And that's why I was a burrito of sadness. It was all negativity and darkness. And that was comfortable. But, you know, I've always been like a believer in like life starts outside of the comfort zone. I know that there are the the yes men who seek discomfort. You know, like that brings so much, so many opportunities to your life that change them in the most wonderful ways. So I seek, I don't want to say I seek discomfort because I don't, but like my life happens just outside of my comfort zone. And then, you know, past that, I, I have to break through it. I have to break through the comfort zone because things start becoming stagnant. And that's when, you know, the positivity, I can find, I can find positivity in anything, but like, it just, it just comes to me when I'm doing different things because that's exciting to me that that is what creates the positivity. It's, it's the newness. It's the learning. It's the experiencing. It, it, I get giddy. I, you know, I get like a little kid and I just fucking, I, I love, I love it. It, you can see I'm at a loss for words because I'm so about it. So that not only in my life, but like in the people that come into my life, my friends and my family play such a huge role in my life. I am so grateful, lucky, like, you know, blessed all of these things to have such a wonderful support group of friends and family. I would not be any of what I am today if it were not for these wonderful people in my life who have shaped me. I'm looking at my fridge right now and it's just full of my friends and family. Just like, I mean, my my fridge, my fridge is full of my friends and family. I killed them. I cut them up and now they're all fucking in my fridge. Damn it, Mackenzie. What are you doing? My, I have pictures. I'm looking at pictures of my friends and family and I've got art, you know, I've got art hanging up, um, made by my friends and it's just, they fuel you. They, they love the give and take of love and positivity between these forces is so strong and overwhelming and it just drives me it drives me to do all of the things that I do and you know these are what these priceless moments that we share with these people this is what we live for in my opinion this is the reason of life it's it's to be able to have these connections and learn and grow from them and oh fuck it's just so good and that's why I'm really excited about little sisters because only love positivity, I shouldn't say only love positivity can be a problem. I mean, because we are going to talk about some real issues in the world that are negative, but like 
what's going to come out of it is love and positivity because it's going to be sharing messages that need to be shared with people that care and feel, you know, included and feel loved and wanted and, and intrigued and maybe want to make a difference and make a change and make a connection. So there you go. Fucking all circled back around, packaged nicely. Damn, I'm tired. My throat hurts, so I got to go. But my last thing I want to tell you guys is a piece of advice. Let go of things that don't serve you. Negativity will, will do nothing for you. It really won't. And, you know, proving, proving a point or proving someone wrong or, you know, trying to make someone listen to you who's not going to listen to you. Like if those things, like they don't serve you. Trying to get someone to see something that you see that, that, that just doesn't see it, let it go. Like if they, if they don't want to, they're not gonna, and you can't make them. If you want to tell people to live positively and, you know, do this or that, then show them by just doing it in your own life and inspire them. Don't try to shove it down someone's throat. I'm talking to you, Jehovah's Witness. If we wanted to fucking join you, then you better make it look better than what you do. You just come around and knock at our doors. That ain't going to get us to join. Oh, my God. Throw a pool party. Have free pizza. Get some ice cream. What the fuck? Just saying. Just saying. But. If it doesn't bring you happiness if it only brings you arguments or you know whatever let it go like I'm just trying to like think generally but I just keep thinking of like specific things like I've spent so long trying to like express the way that I think and feel to people that just don't see don't they don't live their lives the way I live my life so like why am I going to spend all this time trying to, like, explain it to someone who just, like, doesn't get it and isn't going to get it. Like, one day they might, but right now they don't. So I'm just going to go on and do my positive thing. And, you know, letting go of the things that don't create positive positivity and love, it's just, you know, you should, you should let these things go. I mean, it's just going to cleanse you. To not have them there. And sometimes it hurts, you know, to let those things go. But in the end, it, it'll definitely be a weight lifted off your chest, off your shoulders, you know. It'll turn you into a more positive and loving person, which I personally believe is fucking rad. So... That is it from me, yo girl, Z. If you want to hit me up, uh, you can find me on my Instagram, at Mackenzie Kills, M-A-K-E-N-Z-I-E, 
K-I-L-L-S. I'm probably going to change that soon because the whole kills thing was like a play on my last name because it sounds similar, but I made it at a time when I was like, I thought it was cool. But now, like, I've been thinking about it a lot recently, and I'm like, there ain't nothing positive about killing, and I don't like to kill things, so I'm probably going to change that soon. But if you are listening to this recently, you find me, Mackenzie Kills, um, on Instagram. You can find my art page, and Little Sister is linked there. Um... Can you find me anywhere else? Not really. I'm not really on anything else. Plus, I do most everything on Instagram. That's where I post all about, like, my life and shit like that. Yeah. All right. Keep smiling. I love you. Have a blessed night, evening, day, wherever you are. And I will catch you later. I'm not going to do that.